Hello everybody, hello masters of your own destiny. The music that we start listening right from the beginning of this episode and that is now in the background of this podcast have been composed and created is the baby of our guest today. I cannot wait to have this conversation. Today, the main dish is all about dance electronic music, which I love it because it's one of my favorite type of music. We're going to be talking with Paul Larry. He's a professor at SUNY Oslo in the music department. But before we go there, let me thanks to WCNY PBS in Central New York for the partnership. It's thanks to that partnership that we can come to you every other week. And of course, our new member of the family, Central New York Arts. Thank you so much for the trust. Welcome to the family and of course you, the audience. If you want to know more about us, or you want to listen to all episodes or watch all videos of our episodes, just go to fsbaseman.com. Not to mention, there are really cool educational tools that you can use to learn more and to be more educated about the communication media and the arts uh, business. So fsbaseman.com. Like I mentioned, our guest today is Professor Paul Larry from the SUNY Spiegel Music Department. I cannot wait to start this conversation with Paul. It's all about electronic music, dance, electronic music, creativity, composition. Let's start this new episode from Suarez Baseman right away. Let's start. Uh, Paul, I want to welcome you to my basement. It's such a pleasure to have you with me. Thanks. Thanks for having me. No, it's such a cool opportunity for me to talk about Something that I very much in love. People will know, um, relay me with electronic music, but I love electronic music. That dance electronic music, in fact, is one of my favorite music to listen in the car. And so I go to start from scratch in the sense of this question is going to sound a little philosophical. You are a professor at Sunius Vigo. You teach uh, music, music composition. You teach electronic music. Um, what is music? I know it sounds like, whoa, this is such an abroad concept. What is music for you? I really do like the definition that, you know, music is really any sound that affects your emotions, that sparks an emotional reaction. Um, because, you know, there's so much music that we create, but then there's also just so much sound in our world that affects us musically in the same way. Um, and music is really about creating emotional responses in people. That's really what we're doing, I think, as composers is trying to affect people's emotions. And we do that with noise. We do that with uh, dissonance and with consonants and with all kinds of things. But that in general, the idea is that any sound can be music, I guess, because it's about affecting the emotional experience of the mm -hmm. listener. And it can be in a positive or in a negative way. I mean, like, sure. I mean, it, it, it affects the emotion. Doesn't matter if it's in a in a positive and and or in a negative way. But then we have what is a, a composition, the, the the creation of music, which is the use of notes, musical notes, to establish these the sounds that we enjoy or we don't enjoy depending on the of the artist right uh, tell me a little bit how how that happened i don't know historically or when suddenly they say okay we're going to create notes uh do re mi fa sol la si do uh these are the notes that we're going to use uh universally to actually so if i read music 
here in the U.S. I can read music somewhere else because the language is the same. It's almost like we create a language, right, or, or an alphabet. Uh, how that happened? Well, that that is true in the West. It's not necessarily true for all music, of course, right? Like Indonesia uses a very different scale system. Uh, Japanese music is very different too. So there are other systems of music, but yeah, in general, um, humans have kind of come across the same, uh, you know, system of scales in a, in a similar way, even out of context with each other. You know, some of it is flat out physics. It's just the physics of a, a vibrating string. You know, for instance, the idea of, for us is the octave. The octave is 12 notes. It's um, a frequency times two is the octave above. And so the way Western music thinks about it is that all the notes happen within an octave. So if I think about A, which is 440 hertz, the A above that is 880 hertz. And then the 12 or 11 notes really fit in between those, those two notes. Uh -huh. um, but not all systems use 11 notes between them. And not all systems are using what we use, which is equal temperament, meaning the same ratio between every note. I love it. I just, I will, I, I, I have, I love having this conversation and I'll tell you why. I'm a, I'm very jealous of what you do. I'm a really bad, I'm a, have a good, I have a good rhythm. I think it's my Latin, <laughs> you know, hips, uh, but I have no clue how to keep uh, uh, let's say if you put me in front of a drum uh, to keep a beat, no idea, to be able to play a piano or to read music. And I, I always, I, I love music, but I, I wish I could do it. When music become part of your life, uh, right from the get-go, uh, when you were a kid, you realize music is something that you would love to do? Yeah, I mean, I think pretty early on, I was really good at it, um, you know, or good at it. I wouldn't say I'm amazing at it even now, but I definitely had a skill at it. And, you know, from early, from early childhood, I could hear music well, and I could uh, figure out music and write songs, even in middle school. So, um, and, you know, to be honest, like, I feel like in those days, I that was really kind of the, the, the one thing that I was good at. And so I latched onto it and really enjoyed it too. So, um, so yeah, you know, it, it is a lot of, I feel like just innate ability with, with certain people, right. It's mm -hmm. kind of like some people can just throw a ball and, and it's, and they're great at it. Other people can't, um, <laughs> there's obviously some learning that can happen, but there's also just some basic ability at doing things like that mm -hmm. or drawing, right. Some people can just draw, they don't need training. Um, and I, I definitely had that as a child in music. And as a professor that deal with so much uh, talent coming, you know, uh, uh, to the future talent that we're going to have in music, you know, it happened to me as a professor that I have students where I can identify clearly and very fast that they have the talent. That is something additional to just learning the skills or learning how to write notes or uh, I guess my question to you would be, can you identify when you have students who has that special talent? And, um, you know, can you teach a good, how to become a good musician or is something that needs to be born with you? I think you can teach it. I, I definitely you can teach it. But I, you know, I, I really do. I like to downplay talent a lot. Um, <laughs> partly because I just, you know, 
the most important thing I think for anyone is to work hard. Um, and my student, you know, a lot of people, there are a lot of talented people out there, as you probably know, some of them are more successful than others. And it's not about the talent as much as it is about the hard work and the dedication to something and the willingness to learn, um, being able to accept criticism. Mm -hmm. So I do, you know, I, I get some students who are very talented, but they're also, they don't want to, they don't grow much because they can't take criticism. They don't listen. They don't want to do any work or they can't, they, you know, they're having some sort of barrier that's preventing like hard work or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I do feel like I'm able to identify students pretty quickly who are really talented. Um, but to me, talent is, you know, that's only part of the, I mean, anyone who's going to be successful in music is going to be talented. And, you know, as you know, from like TV, there are a lot of really good singers out there, for example, mm. doesn't mean that most of them are going to have a career in singing. There are a lot of good people that are people that are great at writing music, or, but that doesn't mean they're going to be a successful artist, right? Because mm -hmm. there's so much more involved. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, it can be pretty, it's also surprising when you have students who, you know, for me, like if you said, how do you make a drum beat? I would say, well, you just do this, you know? I mean, since middle school, I've just known how to make a drum beat. There's no, there's no real like need to explain it it just makes sense to my brain but you know to have students that don't understand that or they need an explanation of how it works and they need to practice it you know that is an interesting experience and i i couldn't agree with you more i think uh, uh i always say to my students you can be the most talented people in the world but if you don't have uh you know those professional values of being able to get and to receive contact controlling criticism or, or, you know, uh, perseverance and, and be there, you know, looking and working hard to get there. doesn't matter how talented you are. I mean, I think one of the things that the po these podcasts have teach me is every time that I talk to an expert that work in some of my favorite TV shows or movies, and I ask about their success to say, it's all about persistency. Uh, oh yeah. It, it, totally. It is. And no, I think uh, that's a hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you know how many times I've been rejected from things? You know, hundreds of times. No one talks about those things. They just talk about the successes. But the people that succeed are the ones that have applied to a hundred things and get two or three of those. And, you know, they and when they get another rejection letter, they just pick it up and start do it again. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. persistence and res resilience. I agree. Those are other other key factors in success. Just people that are relentless at wanting something and they just work at it and work at it and work at it. That is so valuable. And if you ask me, that's way more important than, than talent. I, I think people like that succeed no matter what is in front of them and no matter what their skill set is to some extent, right? Correct. Yes, which is that's, that's where we have, you know, uh, talent out there that not necessarily in my opinion are the best musicians or the best singers or the best actors of there but but their perseverance and their love for what they do uh put you there it is 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 as simple as that yeah yeah uh, sure. yeah 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 okay so electronic music which is my my a cup of tea 
Uh, tell me a little bit about your love for electronic music. And of course, we're going to talk about your new, uh, uh, you know, record that just came out. But I, I, tell me a little bit about your connection with electronic music. Um, I think I've always I've always really loved kind of EDM electronic music like this. I have mostly in my past done more, I would say, academic and artsy electronic music. So, you know, I do a lot of stuff totally different than this that involves sensors and kind of uh, sensor data being sent into the computer and being used to manipulate sound in some way in real time. So I do that kind of stuff. And then so so for me, you know, I've always loved this music. Like if you ask me what the, the most effective thing for me is, it is this type of music that I'm writing. I've just never really had the opportunity to write it. Um, and mm. I've been I've been kind of picking at songs for probably the last decade and haven't really ever sat down to write something like this. So it, it, you know, it was exciting last fall to do, to do a sabbatical to really start to want to iron out these songs and put them into kind of some cohesive group and actually really release some music for the first time. So, you know, I've written a lot of music for electronics, um, but most of it again is like, you know, with dancers or is for the stage or has, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of different stuff. So this was the first time I'm writing kind of, you know, popular music or whatever you want to call it um, mm-hmm. in this type of form. Electronic. Let's 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 define the idea, right? When we talk about classic music or about rock music or I'm assuming electronic dance well electronic is defined first electronic then dance of course and but electronic i'm assuming that have to do with the use of electronic um instruments yeah usually some sort of synthetic sounds that are created by a computer or um you know an analog instrument possibly um and then you know there are kind of some iconic sounds that we hear with drums and stuff like that um so yeah, stuff music that's pretty heavily produced and kind of um is using mostly synthetic sound, right? Synthetic Which is sound. Most mostly what I'm doing. Although I'm you know, I have another song coming out on Friday where I'm playing the shakuhachi because I play the shakuhachi flute. So that song has shakuhachi flute in it, um which is a Japanese bamboo flute. And um but mostly yeah, they're strictly electronic. Mhm. You know? And 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 Tell me a little bit of your creative process with electronic music, because again, uh, the beauty of this conversation is that I I always try to play the role of my listeners where I want to educate them as much as I want to educate myself in the conversation, right? So how free is this process of creative electronic music? Uh, How is that process? You start first in your mind with a beat of the drums, are drums more or less, let's say the main course, and then you start putting things on top of the of the drums. How how that work creatively? Well, you know, for, to me, what I one of the most important elements to me about electronic music is that any sound in the world can be an instrument, right? And any mix of sounds that you can hear could be somehow creating an instrument. So, one of the most important things to me is about creating sound. Um, and I love to go out and record things and like, so, so, you know, to me, a good analogy is that what I mostly start with 
is kind of collecting sounds. So if I was a painter, I would mm -hmm. want to start first start by creating a palette of colors that I'm going to use in my music. And I do that by like, you know, one of my favorite things is to take a recorder and go out to my barn and bang on a bunch of metal things and make a bunch of recordings of sounds that I then have a huge database of recordings that I've made that I then use to incorporate into my music or I use to create a synthesizer with or I mix with other sounds to create unique sounds. So for me, a lot, it, it is about sound. I'm really interested in kind of unique sound palettes and skate and sound, um, uh, you know, kind of these mm -hmm. sound design stuff. So I start with that a lot. You know, in a lot of electronic music, and mine is included, the drums are kind of the the most uh, stable element in the music. They're kind of, they don't do, a, they're not that fancy. They're kind of mm -hmm. plate. They really do a very simple thing. And then what happens around that, that, that sound is what's interesting and what's dynamic. So for me, it's about synthesizer design and, uh, creating unique sounds with like things like granular synthesis where mm -hmm. you take a single sound and you spin it really fast in like a blender to create a, a texture of sound that I, I do that a lot. Um, and yeah, so sometimes I'm coming up with a melody first. Sometimes it's a chord progression first. Um, it just depends. It really, mm. it depends on the type of music. A lot of times I, I just sit down and start playing around with things hoping to get lucky with some idea right mm. do the um, drums do the drums you you consider the drums the anchor of the song yeah for sure um they give it a lot of grounding especially timing wise right, right? um right. so yeah for sure and in my music the drums are pretty rigid they're not I would say they're not the area of experimentation that much mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then so And that's very, you know, I think that's true in a lot of music. Like, you know, for instance, if you think about someone like Aphex Twin, he's probably the opposite. He uses kind of more standard synthesizer sounds, but then the drums are really where, and drums and rhythm are really where that music is kind of um, experimenting, right? And so you'll, I think you find that with a lot of music that, that you know, there are certain areas that are going to be rigid so that the listener has something to re recognize mm -hmm. and then the other areas are more experimental and moving around mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and uh so we define electronic of course we uh, music and then the dance aspect do do electronic uh you know uh, dance electronic music do need to have a specific amount of beats per second in order to be considered Well, we can dance anything. I can dance anything. It doesn't matter, right? But but is, is there a formula, I guess, to for you to say, okay, it could be considered as uh, an, uh, a dance song? Well, for sure. I mean, that's interesting, actually. You know, in terms of actual dance, like club dancing, mm -hmm. those formulas tend to be very rigid, actually, because, I mean, for, for example, one of the... Um, You know, one thing that doesn't work on the dance floor is when the drum beats stop, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and and in my music, I tend to take breaks from the drum beats for a while, and so it would it wouldn't really work in a club because then the dancers kind of stand around for 16 beats waiting for something to do, and then the drum beats come back. 
So yeah, in dance music, I mean, in EDM or electronic dance music, it tends to be more rigid, right? It tends mm -hmm. to be more like the beats never stop. They're always in the same tempos. Mm -hmm. like around 140 is a good temp is a common good tempo in electronic music, 120 to 140. So yeah, so you know, it really depends on what you're doing. I don't really think of my music like, oh, I want this to be for dancing. So it needs to be consistent and moving. I just write whatever I want to write. Mm -hmm. Um because I have some songs that like the one I'm going to release on Friday is pretty slow and it would be an awkward dance for sure <laughs> in a club. Yeah. Um, so, well, the pain, the pain of the club. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, but the big, you know, yeah. So there's, I mean, and there's just so many cues that happen. I mean, you hear about, you hear all these songs too, that they turn into club music, right? Yeah. Yeah. Take like an Elton John song and, mm -hmm that tiny dancer mix so weird mm -hmm, but mm -hmm, suddenly mm -hmm. it turns into like this clubby thing right so um yeah anyway so that you know it, it depends on what the music's for whether or not the beats um need to be consistent or don't mm -hmm. you know 140 mm -hmm. though is a really common drum like um tempo for like a lot of electronic music these days um and, and tell me a little bit about well you you released a song just a, a couple of weeks ago a week ago uh and what is coming next uh what is the name of the project uh and how of course we can find it and listen to it and and uh, follow you and all this stuff yeah so i um i mean i'm on spotify paul leary just paul leary and you'll see my photo just um, don't mix me up with the the bass player of the Butthole Surfers is also named Paul Leary. So <laughs> that is not me. Um, I am a different Paul Leary. So, um, but yeah, my album is called Artificially Intelligent. And it's interesting, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, it's not really an album anymore. I've decided to split it up into two. I originally was going to release this longer album, but I've decided to, it's more like an EP. It's going to be six or seven songs. Um, I'm releasing really one a week. There's two out now, and then there's a third coming on Friday. And then um, I'll probably pick it up again then after Christmas and release the rest of them. Mm -hmm. um, but then a second EP is going to come out, which has a bunch of music that is more experimental. Um, it's only three tracks, but it's about 25 minutes of music or 30 minutes of music. And um it is, you know, it's more experimental, but there are kind of drum beaded tracks in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so um, the the song, I have a YouTube channel as well. That's where there's tons of tutorials yes. on there from my classes as well. Yes. Um, and that's just Paul Leary also. But I on my website, paulleary.com, which with one L in the middle, so P-A-U-L-E-A-R-Y, um, if you click on the music and media, you'll see a bunch of my tracks in there. So I'm posting my tracks there. Um, you know, I've done a lot of stuff with video too. So there's a fair amount, you know, you, you mm -hmm. saw my music video mm -hmm. probably on Monday or that from that one track. The the song on Friday has another music video, kind of a visualizer again. Mm -hmm. So, but the Weight of Water project, which is going to be the second EP, it has a lot of video with it and it's a really neat project. So I think electronic music is very well known for that process right for that process of kind of putting the listeners in kind of a trance or in a different space is i guess my question i don't know if you have the answer is this because the notes and the vibrations that we're using 
change uh, something in our brain that bring us down or change the reality of the perception that we are? Um, that's a good question. I think I think that we are incredibly vulnerable, first of all, to just training. You know, like we've watched a million movies and when certain things happen in the movie, we have certain, you know, that we're, we're trained and conditioned through film media and music to have certain emotions about sounds we hear. And so I can't, I think we just literally can't help it. Like you hear certain sounds, you get certain feelings from them. Um, and there is some physics involved in that. Like, you know, two notes right next to each other are really clashing. They're clashing mathematically too. And that's why they sound dissonant. The word is the dissonance. Um, so, you know, I think that it is some physics, the idea of like just the warmth of low notes and stuff like that. They do, you know, I'm sure they've, and you're right, they've, there are scientific studies about like lowering the heart rate and lowering the um, body temperature of people who are, you know, kind of experiencing music. But I do think, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of like the power of placebo. I think it's incredibly powerful how much we're conditioned through media to experience something because we've been conditioned to make a feeling about a certain sound, right? <clears throat> It's like, oh, no, the ominous music's coming because something bad's about to happen. So, you know, when you hear ominous music, you get that feeling whether or not it's there or not, whether or not you're watching a film anymore or not. And I think that kind of travels with us all the time when in our world. Right. Mm. Um, I always ask my students this question, you know. If I have a song that has no lyrics, is there is there really such a thing as happy or sad music? And the answer really is that, no, there's no such thing as happy and sad music, right? There's only notes. It's only, it's all abstract. It's all, it doesn't have any actual meaning. We've connected meaning to notes through, mostly through like pairing feeling with sound, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, those things do are rooted partly in physics, I think some, but it's mostly just like training through watching movies and TV, what sad music means, what happy music means. And, you know, I think when we hear music, um, just like anything in our world, you know, our brain is instantly trying to categorize things and arrange them. Like, what is this? What am I hearing? What can I expect next? All those things instantly come into play. And we can't help kind of bring those things back to all of our experience in sound, right? Mm. And a lot of that is through media and music and film and TV. Mm. Uh, personally, that's kind of my opinion about it. Yeah, I think for me, what it, what it does is that it's unexpected. Electronic music for me has moments where, I'm, you know, when you hear a, a regular song, I don't know if I it regular but you know a, a radio pops on you know you have certain structure and you know that the chorus is coming and other stuff uh electronic have this this freedom i think uh that allow me to really don't know what is coming next maybe the the, the composer is going to leave uh you know a vibration longer than i was expecting or it's right. going to bring the beats uh, faster and, and i like that i think it it, it it does something in the brain where I really actually make me uh, very calm, uh, which is sure. very uh, it's strange because it's dancing, right? So, 
Yeah, you know, I, I talk to my students all the time about that specific thing in terms of, you know, for us to enjoy music or sound, we we want really two things. We want something to be predictable so that we kind of have an expectation of what's coming next, but we also want it to vary. And so you don't want something repeating incessantly that never changes, but you mm. also don't want something that is completely changing all the time and you don't know what is going to come next. Mm. So a lot of composing music to, to me is about finding that balance between doing experimental things that are like challenging the listening, but also rooting it in something kind of anchored like the drum beat, as we said, right? Mm. Mm. Um, and what did you yeah, say so to people? Music, and that's what I love so much is that any sound can be the world of, of electronic music. And so, you know, a lot of composers are really interested in like doing just the craziest things with sound and it's very experimental, right? Now, a lot of it's really square and, and, and samey, but not all of it. There's lots of really great stuff, so. Well, I want to thank our guest today, but before we go, I want to thank, of course, uh, PBS in Central New York for the partnership. It's thanks to that partnership that we come to you every other week. And of course, Central New York Arts, uh, which uh, without their support, the podcast would not exist and you, the audience, for tuning in. And I want to thank our guest today, Paul. Thank you so much for being part of our family. Thank you very much for having me.